Welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. In each episode, we'll discuss a different safeguarding topic with a range of expert speakers. Please be aware some of this content is sensitive and listener discretion is advised. Hi, welcome to the Safeguarding Podcast. I'm Melanie Harding and I am the Head of Marketing and Communications for the Safeguarding Company. So I'm here today with Joe Godsell and Joe is the Clinical Director and also the DSL Lead for Chroma. Um, so Joe, welcome to our podcast. Hi, um, thanks for having me. No, more than welcome. And um, if you could just tell me a little bit about Chroma, what you do and what the function is, what's, what's your primary function? Okay, so we uh, we provide art therapy, drama therapy and music therapy uh, across the UK. We've got over 100 therapists and we work in all sorts of settings. So we do lots of work in neuro rehab, so working mm-hmm. with people with brain injuries um, and then lots of work across social care and education. So it's that range of settings. Um, and whilst our neuro rehab work is slightly different, the majority of our work is working with young people uh, who've got complex histories who've experienced mm-hmm. trauma neglect um, and as arts therapists you know, we can help young people to explore to express and process those experiences um, using a, a, a you know art therapy music therapy and yeah. drama therapy and I guess one of the you know the, the nice thing about the arts therapies is that we're not expecting these young people to be able to put into words or articulate um, verbally exactly how they feel or what their experiences mm-hmm. were, especially when often these things have happened at a very young age or pre-verbal yeah. levels, uh, but instead they can use the arts as a way to explore that and express that held all the time within a therapeutic relationship. That's really interesting. Thank you, Joe. Um, and you're uh, a My Concern customer uh, or a safeguarding company customer, should I say. So you use... Um, at least one of our products, I think you use more actually. Um, so that's really interesting. I think you were actually one of the early adopters uh, of my concerns. So you came on board, ooh, I don't know how many years ago now, but a fair few. Yeah, a fair few, absolutely. And, well, and, and, you know, and, and I guess the reason the reason for that is that when I when I first came to Chroma, um, you know, I, th- I think we were doing a, a decent job mm-hmm. with safeguarding. Um, you know, I think in terms of, the way we dealt with issues it was it was pretty good yeah but we had no way of actually properly centrally recording it and following it yeah. and so there was an awful lot of you know stuff being dealt with that was then lost in the files frankly mm-hmm. and what and, you know and the reason that we came to my concern was it was that ability to have a central eye on things to be able to follow things from the beginning through to the end yeah often often when there's a safeguarding event there'll be lots of action at the beginning everyone will be you know oh we need to do something about this mm-hmm. but then the follow-up the bit that yeah. says right what's happened next have we actually brought this to a close have we done all the things we wanted to do and that's what that, you know that's where moving from you know the various systems that we're using at the time to using something like my concerns just really important to be able to properly have a sense of what it is that we're doing with our work absolutely and and i think that element of you know documenting reasons and rationales for things you know so you you might have to jump back again and time again um you know it might be years later that you have to Mm. revisit something but having an understanding that you put a rationale in for the reasons that you did that um is really important so um yeah that's really interesting and and i think the other thing that's really useful actually is it means that you don't 
lose good practice as well mm -hmm. is that you make sure that you're doing the good stuff the good work that you're doing all the time rather than yeah. just oh that was a really good bit of work you can look at it you can learn from it absolutely absolutely brilliant um so i understand then that a lot of the work that you do is with schools so that's a mixture of mainstream sen uh, all sorts of different schools so can you tell me a bit more about that what do you do in those settings yeah absolutely so we work both directly and indirectly with schools um but which i mean you know a lot of our work is uh, local authority funded especially mm -hmm. our work with adopted children uh and often the school will host that bit of work but we also do a lot of work directly commissioned by schools and yeah you're right we do we work both in mainstream and um within special schools sen um so within mainstream schools you know there's, there's a huge range of what we do there you know we sometimes it's well-being social skills mm -hmm. but actually we also see really complex cases uh, within mainstream whether that's you know young people who have diagnoses you know it might be you know, ASD or ADHD um, or, or, or we have a lot of young people that don't and you know we know that CAMS waiting lists these days are really really mm. long we know yeah. that the support for these young people is really really stretched and so a lot of schools bring us in because we're able to start working with their young people and help them actually to be able to function better within schools. Yeah. We also do a lot of our work uh, is with looked after children mm -hmm. in mainstream uh, and obviously pupil premium students. And again, it's looking at, you know, what are these complex histories for these young people? We see a lot of attachment issues and you know attachment mm -hmm. in the classroom. It's something that we talk about a lot, but, you know, teachers absolutely know when they see attachment difficulties yeah. in the classroom in terms of how these young people are able or not able to function. And so we're able to start up the work with that to hopefully enable them to access their, you know, to access education. Um, and like I said, we also do a lot of work in, um, uh, in special educational needs and that's across the whole range. So we have, um, you know, we work with you know, PMLD, so um, profound and multiple learning difficulties um, yeah. all the way across the spectrum to, you know, very high functioning, um, mm -hmm. uh, again autism quite often and, and everything in between um, so for instance you know, we're, we're working in a um, in a trust down in the southwest across uh, seven or eight schools where absolutely the, the, there's an SEN um, trust and there's a whole range mm -hmm. of need there but we've got arts therapists in each school working in yeah. different ways depending on who the clients are and how, mm -hmm. how to best meet their needs yeah so that's really interesting and I think just using that medium of arts and it's it's a whole multitude of different arts isn't it as i understand it it's not uh just you know art yeah. as in <laughs> no absolutely so, so so we've got art therapists drama therapists yeah. and music therapists but within mm. that you know th th there's a huge range so as a you know so a music therapist might be working with somebody and we're just looking at using rhythm so just very simple percussion work mm -hmm. helping them to think uh, helping them to respond in a relationship mm -hmm. where's the the, the back and forth within music making and improvisation where's the um where's the ability to take turns to follow to lead that actually are, are right there at the bottom of social relationships but also a lot around regulation can i get myself really excited and bring myself back down and look mm -hmm. at things like that but a, but a music therapist might also uh be working with another client where you know you're, you're looking at songwriting as a way to explore feelings and actually yeah. you're, you're, you're creating music um 
online using um you know something like garage band and, and songwriting and things like that mm. so it can be that whole range of you know within music and again within art therapy and, and, and drama therapy it can be you know working with i'm a drama therapist that's yeah. uh, that, that's my approach so you know i've, I've worked with you know, some really quite young clients um yeah i've worked with some really quite young uh children doing a lot of projected play uh, you know, that's using figures, using dolls, things like that to help people yeah. to, to, to play around um, and, and explore their own stories. But equally, I've worked with, you know, teenagers who have a very different way of, 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 of exploring their story. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the other nice thing within the way that we work is it can be very, you know, it, it can work in the body. You know, so, something that, that, that we hear a lot about you know, when we're talking about um, things like ACEs, mm-hmm. um, uh, adverse childhood experiences, um, we know that that has a real impact you know, cognitively, but we also know it has a real impact um, physically. And, and trauma, you know, it's quite common now to talk about the fact that trauma is held in the body. But if yeah. it's held in the body, how do we access that and how do we process that? So we can work really very much with that, you know, with with the body and with expressing uh, and exploring the work through that. Definitely. It's really interesting. And I imagine that you would obviously tailor what you do depending on the age of uh, your you, uh, your clients, I suppose, as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if there's one thing a teenager doesn't want to be patronised. They don't <laughs> want to be made to feel like uh, like they're really young. But, you know, fascinatingly, we work with a lot of kids where, <clears throat> you know, we're working with two children at once. You know, we're working with the child at their chronological age. Yeah. Um, and we have to really respect that and make sure that actually this isn't, babyish or silly um but actually often we're working with the much younger version of themselves mm. as well yeah. you know that, that that part of them that was uh you know neglected perhaps at a very young age and has those real need to have that small part of them looked after as well so you know, working with you know tailoring the work to cover both of those elements within the session is really important definitely brilliant thank you so You've touched a little bit on it already, but how does the work you do specifically relate to safeguarding and well-being? Can you kind of unpack that for me? Well, I mean, you know, therapy, safeguarding is at the centre of everything you do as a yeah. therapist. You know, we um, we have to make sure that the work is set up safely. We have to make sure um, that our clients are safe to do that. You know, it's the first conversations that you're going to have in therapy with a client are going to be talking about confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Confidentiality is really important for therapy. But also the limits of confidentiality, which is, you know, being really clear about actually where the safeguarding comes in, what the boundaries are, what the lines are, and when we're going to need to go and share these things with other people. Mm-hmm. Within our work, sometimes therapy brings lots up and yeah. we will have clients talking to us, disclosing things to us that we then need to bring to the, you know, to the multidisciplinary team working around a child. Interestingly, sometimes uh, the disclosures won't happen in therapy, but the work and the processing that's going on in therapy will enable Mm -hmm. them to then talk to those trusted adults, perhaps in school, um, who they can then disclose there. So, Mm -hmm. so, so sometimes we've got it happening in therapy. Sometimes therapy is enabling it to happen, you know, with the pastoral lead, with the teacher, with whoever it is there. So, in all of those events, it's about working really, really closely uh, with everybody around a young person. Um, you know, and, 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 and a big part of therapy as well is the fact that a lot of the time we're managing ongoing challenges together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've been 
kind of post pandemic, the number of safeguarding concerns that we get recorded has tripled. Yeah. yeah there's a, a huge increase in the amount of safeguarding that's coming up. Um, and, you know, I was looking at back at the kind of the last six months and about a quarter of all our safeguarding concerns are around self-harm. Self-harm is a real right. issue that we're dealing yeah. with. But when you're dealing with self-harm, it's about an ongoing management of risk, mm -hmm. which means that you need to be working really closely with the school, with the parents, with the social worker. And we do a lot of safety planning and, and you know, bringing families and schools in there to help come up with a safety plan on how young people are going to be able to, to manage those feelings that are coming up yeah. that are leading to self-harm, but also how they're going to manage if there is some self-harm, how the parents are going to know when they need to intervene, mm. what's manageable. And, you know, I, th I, I think self-harm is such a challenging thing for, for all professionals because often yeah. it ticks along at a almost manageable level, but that's really anxiety-provoking for, for all the professionals as well as for the young person. So... You know, we're doing two things. We're trying to work with what the message is, mm -hmm. you know, what is being communicated, what are the feelings underneath here, and that's you know being addressed directly in therapy. But we also need to work really closely with the team around that young person, with the family, with the school, to think, okay, but if they're doing these things, how are we going to do this? How are we going to look after them? How are we going to keep them safe? Who's got eyes on these different things who's there to understand are things escalating are things under control mm -hmm. as well as doing a lot of you know sharing of um yeah safety plans like i say but also you know there's there's, there's lots of resources out there um for helping young people to find al alternative ways to deal with things so you know that that you know safeguarding central to what we do but actually i think at the moment it, that that self-harm picture is really big for us and you know it's been you know, it's, it's been useful to to see just how prevalent it is and it mm. means we've been able to real, really look at right what is what are our resources for our therapists mm -hmm. and what are the resources that we can share with you know with teachers and with families what's our guidance and how do we then best work with and support these young people absolutely and i suppose from the school's point of view if they're using a case management system and they can um, monitor that, you know, if self-harm, for instance, is a big issue in their school, mm -hmm. then they can track and monitor that. And if they're, you know, it, it seems to be unmanageable, they can get experts like yourself in, you know, to come and address that. And, you know, because they're not always going to have those expertise in the yeah. school, are they? Or in their well, setting. absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, it's that combination of how do we both work with what's underneath, what's getting yeah. communicated with, you know, unpicking, uh, you know, uh, why this young person is self-harming what's being communicated as well as dealing with the you know keeping them safe yeah and that, you know and i think it absolutely it, ta it takes the team and it takes you know and it, and it does take that that extra expertise definitely definitely so joe you mentioned earlier you, you touched on aces earlier mm. uh, and adverse childhood effects but i suppose it'd be really interesting to know what the benefits or the positive effects of art therapy and what they can have on children that might be coping or with the trauma of ACEs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ACEs are, are so common. You know, we, we think that about 60% of the general population research tells Gosh. us has been affected by ACEs or, or, or trauma. Um, 
but obviously it's where there's that combination of multiple adverse childhood experiences that we see yeah. a real impact. You know, and we see that um, you know, on, on child's development, on the impact on cognitive development, you know, mm -hmm. how, how it affects neural pathways in the brain and the, the physical and emotional behaviours. Um, you know, we, we actually see it in terms of health, so the impact that it has on the immune system. Yeah. You know, and, when, and when a child's cognitive development is challenged, their ability to rationalise, to process information and to make positive decisions is hampered. And that can mean that they're not able to verbalise the feelings that they've mm -hmm. experienced during the trauma. And instead, they hold those feelings within the body as reactions to seemingly unknown stimulus. Um, mm. A lot of the time, you know, it, it'll look like a young person has you know, behaved completely. Why on earth did they do that? There was nothing going on. But what's happening within their brain is that they're picking up on perhaps a threat or a fear um, that, that might not well be there. Yeah. But because of their early experiences, they're hyper vigilant for anything that might mm. mean that there is going to be a problem there. Yeah, it's so, a you know, uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, their, their ability to make safe decisions and in interactions is reduced. Um, and of course, we know that there's those negative attachment relationships that, that, that a lot of our young people might have experienced. So, you know, they, they might retreat into ambivalent or, or anxious uh, attachment yeah. strategies. So where, where we then bring in the arts therapies is to then find a positive way to connect with those embodied feelings mm -hmm. and to rebuild those attachment experiences. So, you know, for clients, um, that emphasis on speaking about your feelings is taken away through the activities of music or drama or art. Yeah. And those activities and resources that are provided by a creative arts therapist then provide a way for the client to express their internal feelings in a meaningful way, but also in a way that's not overwhelming. You know, that, that there's a little bit of distance. There's a little bit of, um, of space in between them and their feeling because it's there in a, in, in, in a story. It's there in yeah. a piece of artwork. It's there in a piece of music that they've created. Um, so those, you know, th those activities, so that song, that painting, um, that provides a unique metaphor how the client's experiencing the world yeah. and, and then the, as a therapist we can bring that consistency by being really present with the client by modeling a positive and transitional attachment figure for the client yeah. and as trust is built between us you know this strong therapeutic alliance is created where the client can then move their experiences from internal to external Mm -hmm. which then helps them to reduce you know, we're looking at reducing shame we're looking at reducing negative feelings bringing acceptance to the client acceptance yeah. is, is really key to reducing anxiety and that physical and emotional pain caused by trauma yeah gosh it's it's such a complex um subject and topic when you mm. start really start to dive into it it's, it's really interesting and, you know, and, and it is it's really complicated but there's also some really simple stuff at the center of it yeah you know, right it you know we are working with really complex mental health challenges but at the center of it we're providing a relationship that mm. feels supportive and safe we're providing a way to be in relationship in a in a safe way through the the creative process yeah. and we're also providing a way to unpack and process and interact with those difficult feelings in a way that feels mm. safe by putting them into you know the the artwork 
and it's interesting you know and it, sometimes in the work it can be really reflective so a young person might paint a picture and then sit there and go yeah that's me that's mum and this is what that's about and that yeah and, that, and that's great that's really effective and actually sometimes it can stay within the creative metaphor rather than need to be uh, specifically said so sometimes it might be just that that process of putting out those feelings onto that piece of paper within art therapy and having them there and not having to then unpick them and explain everything about them can also be really effective yeah and I suppose it's um it's allowing them to do that in a positive outlet as well in a positive forum in a in a way that's safe and yeah not going to be in their own time or on their own or in a destructive manner absolutely was and so much of it is 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 having all of those thoughts and feelings witnessed somebody else Mm. is there somebody else sees them somebody else validates validated yeah absolutely and then you know maybe somebody then thinks about well okay and what does that mean how does that impact on your relationships how do you then see that in in you know within your day-to-day relationships what's happening there in class that you know you're getting so anxious that you can't think that you can't Mm. access teaching or 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 or, you know a a lot of the work that we do well it's it's always you know we'll have referral aims from from the teachers we'll have referral aims from the school um from the parents those are really important but actually really important are the the goals-based outcomes that the young people come up with yeah that they're saying right this is what i want to change this is what i find difficult and this is what it would be like if things were better and things were different and really helping them engage with that sense of I can enable some change here mm. you know they, they work really hard in in, 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 in the arts therapies um, you yeah. know sometimes uh, sometimes it might sound to the person walking past the room like there's a lot of, ha- of fun being had, had in there yeah. and there really can be but it can be really challenging and we're asking a lot of these young people to, yeah. to, to you know to really get in touch with their thoughts their feelings and their emotions and and and, and to work with them yeah oh, that's great it's really it's really good and uh, it's really good to hear about um so are there any when we were we were talking before we had a, a call pre this and we were discussing around um uh the work that you do and about how you use my concern in your setting are there any real life scenarios obviously anonymized that you can maybe tell us about that uh my concerns help improve the outcomes for any of your young people or children yeah i was i was thinking about that before we came on i was thinking yeah self-harm like i say is is, is yeah. a really important part that that being able to look at uh, at everything that's coming on my concern and go right this is where we need to target our resources mm-hmm. our guidance um and also like i say that 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 process of seeing things through um when when whenever new people come on board um you know obviously have safeguarding induction and things like that mm-hmm. and i always say um i always make the same slightly terrible joke um I'm always glad that it's called my concern and not mm. my major safeguarding incident um, <laughs> yeah. because it's so important that we're using it to share those small concerns, the things that might not require further action. But yeah. what it does is it creates a culture where we're able to look at things and talk about things and not just have the you know the therapist or the, the, you know, the teacher or whoever it is holding yeah. on and wondering about these things. But instead, no, let's share that. Let's think about that. Maybe it doesn't need to go any further. That's yes. fine. Um, but, it, you know, creating that bit of distance, creating that bit of perspective with... Yeah 
the safeguarding lead I think is really important um, and I think it, yeah it's about creating a culture of being able to think and talk about things that can otherwise feel unthinkable or taboo yeah. and I think having a process helps helps you to step back to bring perspective to make the right decisions um, and you know absolutely we, we we then have a clear process that if we do need to show to to, to, to share things if we do need to, to take actions we can have really clear process and 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 uh, an understanding of why we've made those decisions um, you know in, in terms of examples I was thinking about a case that that finished really recently um, where we had a lot of concerns over a long period okay I think again it's that that process of being able to see right what's happened over time with this yeah. young person not just with the individual concerns but with the multiple concerns that came mm -hmm. up and it was one of those cases where, you know, there were a lot of professionals involved. They were under a, a child in need plan. Mm -hmm. But there were just so many regular changes to who the social worker was. Right. Um, you know, it was working within a, um, uh, a local authority that actually had gone into special measures. Yeah. It was a little bit chaotic. It was a little bit... Um, it wasn't the, the, the best, I would say, in terms of no. the way that, you know, the, the practice that we've seen. And we had that real sense of there was little sense of what was happening over time okay. because we had new people coming in all the time to, to manage this case um, from a social work point of view. Mm -hmm. um, so every time there was an incident, that crisis was dealt with in isolation. Yeah. So what we had to do as an organisation is step in and challenge that and say, yeah. look, <laughs> let's show you what's happened over the mm -hmm. last two is this isn't a one-off these are a series of ongoing incidents this is the this is how they're linked these are the things that were done these are the things you've already done so there's no point in us trying to just do the same things again yeah um and it was so helpful to be able to really bring that that evidence that audit yeah. that trail that said this is the story of this young person that you're forgetting because mm -hmm. nobody's holding that story over time whereas we have been holding it over time yeah. and we've got and we're able to show that and we were able to get the um you know the iro the independent um reviewing officer on board to get yeah. decisions made and you know it it, it was a sad ending in many yeah. ways because you know the young person wasn't able to stay at home they had yeah. to move into foster care but ultimately it was about making it getting a decision to be made around that rather than not being able to look at the big picture which was what we felt was going on yeah. and it was really important to be able to show the evidence around well this is what had happened you know there'd been a lot of violence in the home there was a risk of, you know, of, of, of grooming there was a risk around gangs there was lots of disengagement with school yeah. and ultimately you know the parents were doing their best but they were unable to manage that young person or to meet yeah. his needs and the social worker had to take action and be held to account Mm -hmm. It was a really tough situation holding social yeah. services to account on that, but it was so helpful to be able to actually very simply say, "Well, look, here is the story." Yeah. Now we need to start taking some action. Definitely, and I I think as well that like you said it was a sad story and that that child had to be put into foster care, but ultimately removed from a potentially very dangerous mm. situation. So you know, positive outcome. Yeah. Um, so and and as well, I suppose not having to 
verbally recount to every changed officer or every every new person that came into the situation having that there that they could read and actually digest it as well and like you said it's it just paints that bigger picture then doesn't it yeah, so definitely. um well that's a it's a really really good to see how how that could work in a real setting and and how it's had a positive impact thank mm. you for sharing it and um, so on to uh slightly lighter uh subject matter it's chroma's 10 year anniversary this year yeah as absolutely. i understand it so have you been there for the full 10 years uh no i've been there for for about just under eight years okay um but yeah so we've been going for 10 years which is you know which is really exciting and it, you know as a you know as an arts therapy organization you know i think when we first came along there wasn't anybody really working in the way that we're working in mm. terms of how do we provide quality arts therapies at scale you know yeah. quality that's okay we can have one really good therapist great um scale that's okay you can have loads of people doing anything you like but mm -hmm. quality at scale that real sweet spot of how do we make sure that the work that everybody's doing is really good uh and and, and as well as meeting the huge need that's go that that's out there you know and, yeah. and what's kept us going for 10 years and kept us growing for 10 years is the level of need out there and you know our our real dedication to how do we just keep doing what we're doing better how do yeah. we increase our the professionalization of the arts therapies you know there's there's um how do we make sure it's a really well recognized profession you know it's mm -hmm. it, um you know you've got it, it it's registered with the hcpc you've got to have your masters but actually it's more than just those things it's about how do we make sure that we present the work really clearly how do we mm -hmm. make sure that our therapists are doing a really professional service how do we make sure that we're not just in there you know seeing what happens but we're really thinking about what are the outcomes for these young people? How yeah. do we know if this work is effective? How do we make sure that there's progress within the work? So that's been a huge part of it. And yeah, so suddenly we find ourselves 10 years on, we've got over 100 therapists, <laughs> we're working across the country and, you know, and it, it, it's a really exciting and, and you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a great organisation to be part of. You know, we, 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 we're run by arts therapists. Yeah. And so that, clinical work is absolutely at the center of all of our you know of everything that we do holding the client at the center mm -hmm. um though that said i think probably uh in, in terms of uh, what we're holding at the center of our um of, of our 10th birthday celebrations <laughs> are, are the therapists as well and just making sure we have a good party to celebrate <laughs> <laughs> well that'd be very important as well yeah, of course of course and, and reward all that hard work as well exactly uh, and and recognize it it's really important to, to do that isn't it yeah that's absolutely. lovely um so i will be uh keeping my eyes peeled on your socials for um to see to see what you'll be doing how you'll be marking that occasion yeah uh, absolutely sure we, yeah we'll, we'll have lots going out on the social media we're, we're obviously we're, we're running a, a you know a big conference for all our therapists um you know, lots of cpd stuff but also that celebratory uh, that celebratory aspect and you know hoping to to make sure that that features a lot of the voice of our clients you know whether that's the schools or the or the social workers but obviously most importantly those young people that we've been working with absolutely well uh, i will look forward to hearing all about that and all about the work that you've been doing and will continue to do uh for for the next 10 years 
Um, Joe, finally, uh, what what piece of advice would you give to other schools or organisations in relation to to their safeguarding? What's your parting kind of words and thoughts? Yeah, what advice? I think I think having a really open culture is mm-hmm. really important, and you know, having making sure that this is about concerns, like I said, it's about yeah. sharing that. It's about enabling people to think. Um, it's about you know, having a clear process, a clear audit. Um, but, you know, I think I think probably the main thing I'd say is that safeguarding is really hard. You know, it, it, mm. it can feel scary when there's something going on. It can feel alarming. It could be really alarming for staff that when they're dealing with a difficult situation. So I guess the main advice that I'd give is just to make sure that organisations are really supportive around safeguarding. Yeah. In terms of, you know, and, and that support can be, you know, having really clear processes is very supportive right i know Mm. what i need to do there's there's a clear path there's clear scaffolding around that but it's also about making sure that there's a real culture of openness of learning of support um you know that there's supervision or management that's really kind and compassionate Mm -hmm. uh, because it's tough as as a member of staff when this comes up and you know people need support to, to to manage with things in a professional and uh and, and sensible way that gets the best yeah. outcomes for the young people but actually staff also need support in uh, around uh, around the impact of working with safeguarding you know when a teacher's right. had a tricky situation i guess my main bit of advice would be you know what, what's lovely i guess as an arts therapy organization is that we're very you know supervision clinical supervision is absolutely central to what mm-hmm. we do um, and a lot of what we do when we work in schools, actually, we're obviously working really closely with the, um, um, you know, with, with staff, and we do get used a lot to help the, you know, the deputy head or the senco or the teacher to just think about those difficult situations that that they've been in, and to help providing them with that support. So I'd yeah. say, you know, for me that having that culture and that um, expectation that when there's a difficult situation you're going to get the support that you need that there's mm-hmm. going to be people there for you both in terms of you know let's make sure we've done the right done things right but also in terms of making sure that everyone's all right around it as well definitely well brilliant thank you joe it's very very uh insightful and really um yeah just just some really great uh advice and really interesting to talk to you today um Anyone who would like to get in contact with Chroma or find out about the work they can they do, they can contact them on wearechroma.com. I will put the links and the details uh, in the show notes um, so that you can you can get hold of them should you wish to. Um, but I, for one, am certainly going to be um, following them on Twitter uh, and finding out what they're going to be, be doing over the next uh, few months. It'll be exciting. So thank you ever so much, Joe. It was a real pleasure to have you on. on. Um, yeah, just uh, lovely to talk to you. And that's all for today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mel. Thank you for listening to the Safeguarding Podcast. For resources and more information about our safeguarding solutions, please visit thesafeguardingcompany.com. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe and feel free to rate us using whichever podcast provider you use.